it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to this, this is the Often Daunted Podcast hosted by me, Burke White, sitting here recording in my basement as I do now in the regular season following each game. I'll be giving you uh, just a little recap of each, usually providing a preview of the next opponent. But uh, nonetheless, that was a rough start to that first half. Indiana was able to pull out the victory, as we absolutely should against E2 U of Indy. Um, so, as we do on this show, anyone who's joining me for this season, welcome. Welcome aboard. It's going to be a fun ride. And nonetheless, after every victory, this is, I mean, you played the song. We cannot falter in the battle. We tried and true. Indiana, 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 we're all for you. Uh, you boom started rough started rough as hell but we got into it and uh the hoosiers came out with the victory with a substantial victory considering uh just how rough that first half went started slow to start the game but malik renew i mean he was the first one to score in that one uh getting the lid off the rim uh utilizing slippery footwork if you saw that first bucket for indiana seemed that everyone on the court was uh playing with little to no energy as uh, all the takes around the rim just seemed to have... Actually, maybe they were playing with a little too much because it just seemed like every single around-the-rim attempt just had far too much behind it. I mean, that, that carried that carried throughout the team well into this game as uh, Indianapolis was able to take a halftime lead of 27 to an embarrassing 25. But luckily, luckily, Mike, the Sheriff Woodson, throughout the first half, I mean, he was pulling guys because he was just absolutely trying to send a message to this team. Just figure it out because the the first half was downright terrible. There's no no if and or buts about it. Like, it was terrible. Heading into halftime, it was, I mean, 27-25 to a D2 University of Indianapolis. Luckily, Mike Woodson seemed to get through to these guys at halftime. In regards to his speech at halftime, Anthony Walker said, yeah, I mean, he is who he is. Real Coach Woody came out. He wanted us to play Indiana basketball like he's been coaching all us all summer and the way he's coached since he's been here. That's exactly what I feel like we did in the second half. Yes, and I would agree. You guys played Indiana basketball in the second half. Thank Christ for it because it started out painful. In regards to that second half turnaround we all witnessed, uh, Mike Woodson said of the second half, well, we had a nice halftime talk. <laughs> I, I love that, just starting it. like We had a nice halftime talk. But I thought to start the game, I thought we were a little tight. Guy's not really familiar the first time playing in front of a crowd, and I'm not using that as an excuse. We missed so many layups, our bigs around the rim, and we couldn't make free throws. And you've got to give them credit. That team plays hard. They won 26 games last year, pretty much got everybody back, and they came in here, and they played their butts off the first half. And I thought we adjusted and finally started playing Indiana basketball. And it starts with our defense. I thought our second unit was fantastic. I thought Gabe came in and got that group around him. And they started to really defend and got the lead that we needed to have. And thank Christ for that. Like, 
after seeing the final score of the St. John's game, I'll talk about that one later. The uh, St. John's Pace University, Pace, I don't even know, College University, I don't know. I've never heard of that place, but they just beat St. John's, who is supposedly back. These exhibition games can be traps. If you don't bring your effort, don't bring the cohesion. Like, you're, you might be in trouble. And luckily, Mike was able to get that out of these guys in the second half. So, in, in now in the regular season, we, we've done 29 off-season episodes, I think. Um, just one a week for you. In these regular season uh, games, I wanted to pretty much just talk about key takeaways I've taken from uh, just watching that game. Heading down that. Of course, I'll get into some of your Indiana news. We'll be giving the show Walter Fisher the game away as well. Um, and lastly, touching on that national uh, or the Big Ten news out there. So without further ado, just a few takeaways from that uh, U of Indy matchup. Uh, big shout out to Austin Plant and Zion Brown um, for calling the game great on behalf of IU Sports Media. Zion Brown is an absolute natural. Um, I would not be surprised if I see this, if I hear, I shouldn't say see, hear this guy calling some big-time matchups in the future. I was really impressed by the uh, students' commentary. Another key takeaway from that game we just all witnessed was uh, Gabe Cups. I think uh, Gabe Cups will be able to come in and be a player we can rely on. Um, scrappy on the defensive end and level-headed when being pressed by the defense. I'm really glad this kid is rocking the candy stripes this season. The more we can rely on him, the less the challenges of a long season like ahead will wear on this squad. Absolutely, our backcourt needs every bit of support it can get, and uh, I'm glad Gabe Cups is here to give that. Gabe Cups ended his night with a modest four points, but it was the plays that uh, don't really get celebrated that he was making. I mean, he had zero turnovers throughout the game, but was able to poke away a steal and... Uh, Ended the game, ended the night with three assists for himself. Or, nope, sorry, with one assist for himself. He provided the intangibles that, that don't get measured in a score, like in the box score. The first half should have played about as lopsided as the second, um, but Indiana's front, course, Indiana's front court just had to play themselves into their touch by halftime. Uh, they, they were shaking off every bit of rust they had from the offseason. And uh, based on that first half, there was plenty of rust to be shaken off. Once it was, things got rolling, and uh, you saw the second half result. It speaks for itself. Uh, luckily, Indiana was able to play Indiana basketball and physically dominate University of Indianapolis, which, I mean, they absolutely should. No doubt there. And, like, Gabe, Gabe Cups is just, like, one part of that second unit. But that second unit greatly assisted the squad in finding their footing throughout this game. Um, Anthony Walker is a veteran of the college basketball game, and it absolutely showed in this one. He, he stepped on the floor ready and showed out. It, it wasn't, again, box score numbers, but he was doing the little things that needed to get done in order for Indiana to put itself in fortunate positions to score, to uh, just defend properly. Anthony Walker did the little things that matter. They don't show up in the box score, but they show up in the final result. Like... N n <laughs> None other was his block and snatch. Like that, that was the top play for me and Anthony Walker was his uh, block and snatch that was just immediately turned into an outlet pass to Trey, which was then dished over to Mbako in the corner, and he drained it. A huge takeaway I had from this in the first half for sure was uh, when crashing the rim, don't overthink it, guys. These Hoosiers need to quit overthinking it. Um, everybody will, needing, will be needing to go up so much stronger into the contesting defenders. Uh, I mean, it, th the first half was a tale of just attempting double clutches and uh, up and unders as much as they possibly could, which was 
you might need to do that down the line, but against University of Indianapolis, like the Indiana Hoosiers, no. You need to will the ball into the rim by just absolutely outmuscling the the opposition. And uh, Mike Woodson spoke uh, to that a little bit in his postgame presser as he said, uh, you're that close to the rim. You've got a 7-footer and a 6'9 kid and a 6'8 kid in McKenzie. The ball just wasn't going in. I told our guys we were too soft. We got to be tougher. You've got to will the ball in. Yeah, like, yeah, will, will it in. Absolutely. Put it in the bucket. Don't hope that it goes in. You've got to put it there. I thought the second half, we were better in that regard. And absolutely the Hoosiers were. You you wish you would have seen a more dominant game from Malik Renew entering his sophomore season. Thought that sophomore jump would be much more apparent. But I will say I was appreciative to see his sophomore jump uh, in just control on the defensive end. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he had plenty of moments where we could have used uh, a big play from him on that end. But he didn't get in near the foul trouble that had riddled his entire season last year. Um, he left uh, some to be desired, but uh, I am truly appreciative that he was able to be on the floor as much as we saw him. 27 minutes from Malik Renew is something to applaud. Just based on all of last season, that alone, him being on the floor for 27 minutes without fouling out, is a stride in his game. Five for nine from the field. He also uh, was one of our most dependable free throw shooters, which absolutely crippled that team in the first half. Free throws, we, they're free. Got to make them. Got to make them, Hoosiers. But uh, he went two for two from the line. Adding on top of that, six rebounds, um, two assists, amassing 12 points total. It was the Indiana front court that were the top three scorers. And uh, it's insane that you can critique a kid scoring 12 points out there. But, yeah, you, you almost expected more from Malik in that matchup. And I truly hope he's ready to uh, really give it to a D3 program now that, uh, that D2-1's out of the way. <laughs> He's maturing as a defender, and thankfully so, because we need him on the floor this season. The Indiana Hoosiers will go as far as I believe. I believe the Indiana Hoosiers will go as far as Malik Renew is able to progress this season. One note I had in the uh, in regards to that game was uh, we, we need a bit more selfishness in these guys. Um, if a three-point option is going to make themselves like apparent, I, I loved watching the Hoosiers pass it around in the second half but wouldn't have minded seeing some of the guys get a shot up instead of passing. The teamwork is great, but we we will need to find a shooting like we will need to find a shooting option to do anything in March. And uh like we thought that that could possibly be CJ Gunn and CJ Gunn did provide a lot of uh a lot of emotion plays in that first half when it seemed like nobody else was. Um but nonetheless, he the confidence in his shot is apparent. Like I don't know what it'll take for him to find it, but it, it just isn't there right now. It, it seems like he has confidence in everything but the shot. Yeah. Also, also, CJ, just a little tip. Hey, I love you, man. I'm I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm always pulling for you. But threes are worth more than two. That's basic mathematics. And uh, seeing you do the pump fake into a two that is one foot inside of the line, just like. That that shot selection is, we can't have it this season. We we just can't have it this season. We need to be taking smart shots and making the most of each of them. And uh, I truly believe that CJ Gunn is ready to take that step and prove that he can do that. Uh, the kid's a natural baller. Just look at him hoop. Like, 
he just has it in my book, but uh, it's just time to focus it and uh, hit that next level of precision in his game. I mean, it, for I mean, Mbako had a great game in that second half. Initially, it was tough sledding, but Mbako showed that uh, he he showed enough to start getting pretty damn excited for what his career here holds. He really wasn't just looking to get points. He uh, made a difference making plays, passing, getting rebounds. I mean, he led the Hoosiers with eight rebounds in that game. Just do he he was doing the little things that, in a large way, fueled Indiana's Indiana to start dominating in the second half, like they should have been doing the entire forty minutes of that game. Just watching that watching that second half for three minutes, you can tell Mackenzie Mbako might be the he is the best basketball player on this squad right now. And I say that as uh, he was just making it look easy in that second half. In in each facet of the game, even defensively, like everybody questions his ability to guard the smaller, faster guys. And while you could say U of Indy, like that's not going to be that much of a test, I would argue that U of Indy's three is probably smaller than any three he's going to have to guard in the Big Ten. And he did it fairly well. He, he did it on both ends of the floor, and that's just a credit to what Mike Woodson was able to get them to commit to in the second half. I mean, defense fuels offense under Mike Woodson. And Indiana's transition point boost in that second half can speak to that. What doesn't bode well for the Indiana Hoosiers was just giving up offensive boards to U of Indy tells you that our boxing out needs some work. Ten offensive rebounds to the Greyhounds is far too many. We all got to see Kalel Ware make his debut in the Candy Stripes, and uh, Kalel Ware's presence on the defensive end of the floor is undeniable. Uh, he got a pair of blocks in this game, but affected each shot he was contesting with his length. He he added probably the quietest 14 points I've ever seen from an Indiana Hoosier. And he had a decent first showing for us. Absolutely no denying that. That second half, thank Christ we won that game. <laughs> thank God Indiana woke up in the second half. Throughout the game, we saw Peyton Spark add a little energy to the Indiana side whenever he was taking the floor. And uh, Peyton is going to be absolutely crucial uh, to bringing some energy to the floor this season. We we all saw him go down uh, with a possible injury, but Woodson had said on Sparks following the game, he's going to be fine. He's a tough dude. Man, he'll be back on the floor for the Marion game. Mike Woodson's confident. Our boy's just fine. I'm confident as well. Xavier Johnson ended the game with nine points, um, four rebounds, five assists, two steals shooting 50% from the floor um yeah he's he's not going to light up the score every time but uh he absolutely brought a maturity in that second half that was essential to Indiana getting back on top in that one I, I, looking at this minute distribution i think it is pretty funny that uh all of the questions surrounding our team this year were uh, who's going to be the backcourt what what is the what is the support staff going to be able to do to alleviate um, any lack of production in the backcourt. And uh, out of the starting five, our backcourt played the fewest minutes. You had 25 minutes for Kalel, 25 minutes for McKenzie, and 27 for Malik. Xavier logged 23, as Gabe Cups got plenty of shine in this one. And Trey Galloway had himself 24. Now, Trey Galloway. Trey, let's talk about it. Trey, we need more from the two. I am a Trey Galloway stan, but uh, one for five from the floor. Uh, one for two from free throws, and uh, he he was able to log three assists. But yeah, uh, Trey Galloway, 
I, I just preach like I have confidence that this guy has been able to add something to his game every season. And if the Hoosiers are going to be able to compete in March, we absolutely need Trey Galloway to bring more than we saw today. That being said, it's I mean it's the begin it's the first game of the season, guys. We can't buy into this too much as uh there's plenty there's all the basketball left to play. But yeah, I'm just really hoping that we get to see a new tool to uh, Trey Galloway's game as he has added one every single offseason because the Hoosiers are going to need that in their starting five. I mean, I cannot... What That first half was arguably unwatchable as an Indiana Hoosier fan. Like, 27-25, to U of Indy heading into the half is just... That, that is gut-wrenching. Luckily, the Hoosiers showed out in that second half to a tune of a uh, forty-nine to twenty-five, and it, yeah, it w- it seemed like the front court's touch was the issue in the f- in the first half. Uh, everything was just careening off the glass, careening off the front of the rim, careening off the back of the rim. It wasn't until Mike Woodson got these guys in at halftime and told them, "Hey, quit trying to just toss it in, like dunk it, send it home." Once that once once that process started from the front court, all the issues solved themselves in this one. While while the halftime adjustments were great, it seems like the slow starts of every single game that has seemed to be taking course over the last ten years, or at least a decade, <laughs> um, plagued the Hoosiers in this one. And there has to be an answer to that. If Mike Woodson wants to get this squad into contention, which, I mean, every remark he's made in the offseason, is, it's, it's win now for him. He needs to find a way to get these guys coming out far more determined than, uh, than yeah, we've seen as of late. And I mean as of late as in, like, the last decade of Indiana basketball. Once that defense started ramping up, you saw Indiana just absolutely exploit the points in transition and... uh that's going to be Indiana's bread and butter this season. I, I I believe that while we do want to think that we have the outside shooting, that some of these guys can step up, it is defense and points in transition that will be the difference in Indiana victories this season. I have faith in them, be, in this team, to be able to find that consistently over the course of 40, and they absolutely will need that. So with that in the books, I mean, final score of that game, just uh, throwing it out there. For anybody who wasn't watching, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast in which a nobody talks about Indiana basketball, you had watched the game. Final score of the game was Indiana 74, U of Indy 52. And thank Christ for that. We, we, yeah, again, after St. John's just lost a pace. It, it, you almost wish they only scheduled great opponents because you could only lose to potentially great opponents, but... Oh, luckily, Indiana came out, survived that first half, and uh, persevered for the victory, for the comfortable victory. And that's what games against D2 and D3 opponents need to be, comfortable. So uh, if this is your first time joining the Often Daunted podcast and you haven't been with me during the course of the last season, each episode I give out a show Walter Fish of the Game, and here is your week's show Walter Fish of the Game. This week, or this game... My uh, showalter fish of the game is going to Mackenzie Mbako. Like I said, 14 points, 8 boards, 2 steals, 2 assists, 1 block. Mackenzie was an absolute basketball player in that sep- second half especially. I, I 
watching that game, I genuinely have a feeling that over the course of the season, this guy's going to find his footing. He's going to be able to contribute so much to this squad. And, uh, yeah, he is going to be our production. <laughs> he will be so much of our production. And I just am so grateful that we were able to beat out Bill Self, be able to beat out Kansas in recruiting this guy. The show Walter Fisher game, like, uh, I mean, it's 14 points for him and, and Kalel both. But just, just spe- speaking on Kalel in this segment, I wanted to just say, he, yeah, his quiet 14 points. You saw the motor in the second half. You saw him uh, willing to throw it down on much weaker, smaller opponents. And we will absolutely continue to need that from him if this Indiana team is to do anything this season. So awesome to watch that. The last play of the game was him draining that three because uh, up until then you saw a loaded with talent Indiana front court that was struggling to play together um, until the second half, I should say. And uh, if they are to play together, Malik, Kalel, and Mbako, it will take Kalel having some presence on the perimeter, um, opening up the floor, opening up the interior for Malik. So after that quick recap, I mean, it's an exhibition against U of Indy. We absolutely needed to win that game, and thank God we did. Credit to Mike Woodson and the boys for getting the job done. While there is plenty you would have liked to see, we saw plenty that we can appreciate and build on. So uh, here's looking to Marion, a D3 program that we should absolutely destroy. With that one in the books, let's uh, get on to some Indiana news for you. Before we start any of the Indiana news, we are giving a congratulations to the men's soccer team for making the Hoosier faithful proud and uh, winning the Big Ten. Boys just downed Rutgers 4-1 to today and uh, solidified their claim for half of the Big Ten title. One face that we definitely missed today, but uh, we will be seeing in that Marion game is uh, Caleb Banks as he missed this game, but it looks to be a precautionary sitting for a growing injury. And, uh, yeah, I I think uh, by all word out there, he will be good to go in the Marion matchup. This week, the Indiana Hoosiers saw Kalel Ware named to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list, which is the award that goes to the best center in college basketball. On there amongst like 20, 19 other centers. But uh, yeah, hey, he's on the radar. If he can find a motor, man. Th- th- you saw his, his shooting form is immaculate. Like that three was a pretty three for a seven-footer. <laughs> I appreciate the hell that this kid's on the team. And I am so excited to see what he does. Lastly, just two bits of uh, Indiana recruiting news. Indiana offered Jason Sun in this, Sanon this week. Uh, top 20 recruit in the class of 2025. He has since followed that uh, offer up with an official visit set for the uh, Indiana Hoosier program. Again, Indiana is going to be going after the top guys. They are going to be going after the top guys because guess what? If you fall short, you have a scholarship to mess around with in the transfer portal. And I imagine that Jason Sannon will have plenty of other programs of top caliber after him. After, I mean, we hit with Liam McNeely, we missed with Boogie Fland. 
I, I'm okay with that. I, 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 as a fan and as an as a disciple of Mike Woodson, I, I am so down with the current recruiting strategy. Go after the top guys. Go after guys like McKenzie that can immediately impact your program. The second bit of recruiting news is Derek Queen announced his top four. Kansas, Houston, Maryland, and us. It's been back and forth. I think the Maryland, at least the, uh, yeah, I think the Maryland fans think they've got a pretty strong line on him. But there have been rumblings out there that a few visits haven't gone as well as hoped. And uh, I think there's plenty of space for the Hoosiers to swoop in and land a great one. Land a great one that even more so solidifies our Montverde pipeline right now. And if you need a pipeline with one school, like, that's it, right? You need that Montford pop pipeline. <laughs> Not a lot of Indiana news, but uh, let's get on to some uh, other news around the Big Ten. Around the Big Ten, there were plenty of exhibition games. And uh, just running through a few of them. To start the week, we saw Illinois spanked and I. NAIA opponent Ottawa, Kansas, um, one sixteen to sixty five. There was a closed door t- double overtime game in which St. John's beat Rutgers eighty nine to seventy eight. Michigan State beat up on uh, D two Hillsdale College uh, eighty five to forty three. In that game, we saw Stephen Izzo gets his two three. <laughs> we saw Stephen Izzo get to the line for two free throws, and he sank them both. And you'll never guess what happened next. Tom Izzo cried. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was cool. But, I mean, Izzo cries at the drop of a hat. No way around that. Always seems to be... It, it just always seems to have been the case for Tom Izzo. And uh, as far as Steven Izzo being on that Michigan State roster, I would have to say that that is a case of nepotism more blatant than Brad Calipari being on the uh, Kansas or the Kentucky rosters. And and it's not even close. Like <laughs> it's not even close. Following that uh exhibition beatdown for Can- for Michigan State. Uh Michigan State just faced Tennessee on Sunday and uh great game. Absolutely great game. But the Spartans ended up falling to Tennessee at home, 89-88. to 88. And watching that game, watching the uh, replay of it, I have to say Dalton Connect looked like a guy that I would have really liked for Indiana to bring in this season. He had 28 points and 7 rebounds as he, it, it looked like he single-handedly dismantled the Spartans. In other exhibitions, we saw Arkansas took on Purdue, and the Boilermakers lost 81-77. to The uh, sophomore backcourt of Purdue had trouble getting the ball into Edie, and yeah, our, our Arkansas added to the Sunday beatdowns that the SEC had handed the Big Ten. To begin last week, the Golden Gophers apparently hosted a scrimmage against Colorado State, and they proceeded to lose to Colorado State. Uh, 87 to 49, which is bananas. Colorado, Colorado State went six and 12 in the Mountain West last season, and I know it's a closed door scrimmage, but like Minnesota is an absolutely unserious program, and uh, we need to spank them this season. 
No way around the fact that we need to spank them this season. Last season showing, even in Minnesota winning by four, was downright sad. And in regards to Minnesota, like if Ben Johnson still has his job following this season, the Big Ten's hopes in March um, are in question, if you ask me. Just because any teams in the conference who want to be taken seriously in March need to beat the breaks off of need to beat the breaks off of Minnesota and provide some uh, much needed perspective to the Minnesota administration. On honestly, like it's so many games in the Big Ten are so close. Every every game is a battle. But unless programs are beating the brakes off of Minnesota this year, you can't take them seriously. We had some news about Nebraska basketball as uh, Nebraska beat their exhibition opponent, Doan. Um, but Kasai, Kasai Tomanaga uh, was injured in the first half and sat out the rest of the game. Looks like he will be seeing team specialists Monday, and uh, then everyone will be filled in to the extent of the issue on this one. Some surprising news for the Michigan Wolverines, as Trilly Donovan reported this week that they had beat Marquette in a secret scrimmage, 115-111, to and that scrimmage being played in a four-quarter, 12 minutes a quarter um, format. So, yeah, it's, it's not true college basketball. You can't really count it, but surprising outcome if that is true. If uh, Because Marquette is, by all measure, a team with serious March aspirations. And uh, this Michigan team, by all measure, was in rebuilding mode. Um, this Michigan University squad losing Hunter Dickinson, which we'll talk about that in a bit. Everything pointed to them having a down year, but man, uh, a surprise scrimmage win over the, yeah, over Marquette is, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just something of note. It's something worth talking about. It's pretty surprising, if you ask me. On to that Hunter Dickinson note I was talking about. Hunter Dickinson has regressed to 0-5 against the Fighting Illini as Illinois humbled Kansas to the tune of an 82-75 victory. Yeah, Illinois looked impressive in this one. It was the Maui uh, charity game, but Illinois took it to Kansas. Of course, Hunter Dickinson was doing his normal just like fed-up stuff on the court where he's just... I he, There was one flagrant, possible flagrant that was reviewed. He looked frustrated, but he was just talking all the smack last week about how he just needs to go out there and show them that Kansas is the best. Like, they're, they're the best and they know it. Great to see that the first outing they had, they were humbled. That being said, I wouldn't mind for them to go undefeated until they play us and we can down a top dog at home. But also credit to Brad Underwood for being able to get that Illinois squad on the same page right out of the gate. Keeping this episode short, um, just wanted to give a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into a Hoosier history hit and get you on out of here. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, here's that word from our sponsor. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you by Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports is just a collection of uh, Big Ten podcasts where we are all doing the... Everyone covering their own team's perspective. Um, it'll be fun once these uh, Big Ten matchups get going to be able to get some insight into our opponent a little more than I am able to provide as I am usually hyper-focused on the Indiana Hoosiers. I, I appreciate all the connections that I've been able to make through them and uh, just how, how fun they, uh, how easy they've been to work with. So if you haven't, go follow Big Banter Sports on everything. 
And uh, if you haven't followed the Often Daunted podcast, please, I, I'd love a follow. Subscribe to the show. Follow me on every social at Often Daunted. It is just getting started here. And uh, I am looking forward to all the episodes, all the reviews, all the recaps, all the content I am going to be able to bring you this season. Thank you. This is your Hoosier history hit. All right, so for your Hoosier history hit, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Richard Dorson. Richard Dorson was born on March 12, 1916, and he was an American folklorist, professor, and director of the Folklore Institute at, Indi- at Indiana University. Dorson is often referred to as the father of American folk- folklore. After having attended Harvard University, where he earned his ABMA in history, and his Ph.D. degree in the history of American civilization. He began teaching history at Harvard in 1943. He then moved to Michigan State in 1944, staying there for a whole 13 years until he took a position at Indiana University as a professor of history and folklore, as well as the chairman of the Committee on Folklore. He had spent the rest of his life in Bloomington uh, teaching at Indiana until his death. Now you're like, well, why, why shine a light on one Indiana University professor? But here in the spooky season, if you're listening to this episode on Monday, it is October 30th, tomorrow being Halloween. I just wanted to point out that Dorson contributed two terms to the study of folklore that have gained common currency. Dorson had coined the term fake lore, stating it as a synthetic product claiming to be authentic oral tradition, that, but uh, actually tailored for mass edification which misled and gulled the public. But uh, the, more, the more important one he came up, with, came up with, this guy came up with the term urban legend, uh, meaning a story which never happened, told for true. This, this guy came up with the term urban legend. And uh, yeah, pretty much that's the basis of my Hoosier history at this week. I just wanted to point out the fact that everybody, yeah, everybody who says the term urban legend, everybody who tells you an urban legend, um, without knowing it, there, yeah, that that word is provided by an Indiana Hoosier. So, hey, yeah, that was your Hoosier history hit. <laughs> A Hoosier came up with an urban legend. There you go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Often Taunted Podcast. We are getting the wheels back in motion. We are getting our footing back as we start this college basketball season. These uh, exhibition games, there isn't much stakes behind them. There aren't many... Uh, yeah, there aren't many stakes behind them. There isn't much weight behind the game. That being said, you just you just want to see the boys perform well, and thank God we got to see a, a little more cohesive Indiana in that second half. Um, I'm hoping that that second half can carry into the start of the Marion University game that me and my wife will both be in attendance for. Um, and and against a D3 opponent like Marion, IU must absolutely take them to the woodshed. And uh, just leave no doubt that they are ready to go. Whatever the result, I'm always excited to be in Assembly Hall. It is the greatest, like, it's it's my favorite place to be. I'm excited to go nonetheless. Um, this will be my wife's first game at Assembly Hall. And as a Malik Renew super fan, I really hope that he can show out a little more in this one. Um, but yeah, my, my wife's an IPFW grad but uh, has absolutely drank the Indiana Kool-Aid over the course of our five years together and uh, just loves this program now. Loves Mike Woodson, but loves Malik Renew. Malik, big game. 
big game against Marion. Let's go. Usually I will be previewing these uh, upcoming opponents, but as it is a D3 program, there's no preview necessary. Indiana must dominate them. End of story. So thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted Podcast. I promise you these episodes are going to get better as I get more and more uh, back into recording shape, I should say. Back into mid-season form. If, if, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do. Helps my ego. If you haven't le- left a review, please do. Helps my ego. <laughs> I, I do this for the love of the game. I just love talking about Indiana basketball. It's, it's, I, I'm so appreciative it's back. I'm so appreciative that Mike Woodson is the one running this program, is the one that is talking to these guys at, I mean, talking to these guys at halftime and able to turn it around when it needs to. He's gotten us closer each season, and uh, I will continue to support every decision this man makes until I see regression, which it would, that first half was rough. I, I, I cannot stress enough how rough that first half was, but Mike made the made the adjustments, and uh, the Hoosiers got the victory. End of story. Let's close the book on this exhibition. On to the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You and yours have a great week. God bless. Lux at Veritas. Take it easy, Hoosier fans.